first thing, the statement that I want to make straight up is this. Money is important, but it points to something more important. I'll say that again. Money is important, but it points to something more important. Now, whether that's your family, but, you know, ultimately God and his gospel and his church. But money is so important, but it points to something more important. It's as long as you don't keep money just separated from God and his purposes and from your family and from from God and the church and keep it separated and, and idolize it, that's what most of the world does. But Christians, of course, view money as very important. Who va- values money as important? But it points to something more important. It points to souls. It points to people's dignity, people being fed, people being saved, people being cared for. Money points to those things. Is that good? So just to provoke you in, in, in saying that, I had a phenomenal weekend last weekend of vision builders saying that money's important for C3 Tugger, but it points to something more important. It points to the homeless. It points to big noise. It points to the chaplain in the high school, reaching into the school kids in the high school. It points to the missionaries we've got overseas and beyond. It points beyond ourselves and it points to our neighbors and friends and people that are in dire need. Money is important. I wish someone had told me that back in the 70s and, uh, and I could have got a better game plan together with my finances. Amen? But understand that, that money, when we talk about money, it's for souls. It's for the kingdom of God to be realized. You know what I mean? Some people get indignant. Oh, they're talking about money again. Yeah, because it points to something that's more important than money. It points to the value of life. Love that stuff. So let's have a look at this. Here we go. Let's have a look at this. Um, We need to look at the foundation of the church. And I thought we would do that. Okay, let's see how our church stands up. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, if you've got a Bible, take notes. I'm going to fly through this. It's not going to be a long message. But my God, it's 5 to 11 already. Couldn't be. No, it could not be. What did you do? (laughs) Jesus... (laughs) <laughs> All right, it's a bit like that, is it? So I got a five minutes. I get couldn't be. Yeah, thanks, Tim. He just put it back for me. Okay, I'm going to get stuck into your life. Just give you something real quick, and uh, it goes like this. My God, we did worship for a bit. Two Corinthians thirteen five says, "Examine yourselves to see whether you are in faith." Test yourself. Test yourself. And uh, we can understand, the, 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 you know, we can understand, I think, by looking at the foundation of the church, if we're a healthy church. Jesus said it, you know it. Matthew sixteen eighteen says, I will build my church. Is that not right? Paul said, by the grace of God has given me, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder. 1 Corinthians 3.10 says that. I feel, as of last Sunday, as of last week, through the presentation of the vision builders, I think our church has a valid existence. Now, I'm telling you, there should be some churches I think should be shut down. I'm not embarrassed to say that. They're dysfunctional. They're inward. They're not going anywhere. They're just, look, please... Break up the band, the Beatles are over, let's get some solo albums out or something. I mean, no, let's get them into different bands. 
you know, Foo Fighters. I don't know. What, you know, I'm just, anyway. You know, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm saying that sometimes a church needs to get into a place where it's more, more realized in its purpose and goals and there's more a strong mandate of his existence. Anyone can start a church, but is it of God? Did God say, I will build my church and this is one of them? Or did someone say, hey, I'd like to build a church. That's great. Some people do that all the time. They try and, they're handyman. They try and build their house and it looks like it's leaning over and the council comes along. They can't sell it. It's condemned. You know what I mean? No. You've got to look at the foundations. Without the foundations, you can't build anything. So we're looking at the foundations of C3 Tugger this morning. You know what I'm saying? Here it is. 1 Corinthians 1.10 out of the Living Bible which is different than yours. You've got to have vision. You've got to have clear purpose, guys. Purpose allows for good morale in the, ch- in the church. When, when we have strong vision, we've got morale, we've got strong... This is where, after vision builders, man, the whole church should be 100% online. Uh, that was magnificent, the portrayal and the presentation of our vision. That was clear, it was powerful, it was concise. If... Man, if we don't get people who want to support that, so be it. But there shouldn't be any excuses of what's the vision, what's, what's the purpose of this church. After last Sunday, it's quite clear what we're about. We're about vision. And once we understand vision, the people in the church have this morale that rises in them. And together we can do it. 1 Corinthians 1.10, let them, let them be real let there be real harmony so that there won't be splits in the church. Be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. Now, Tim's probably got the NIV up there, but Proverbs twenty nine eighteen says, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint, meaning that they perish. You know, you see people in church perishing and falling away out of the church because they have no vision. They don't connect with the vision and they expect to sit there in church and be a spectator and not connect with the value of what it means to be a church. And one of the high values is being connected by membership. Now, you can't talk about membership in Australia because people run away from that. I'm not a member. I'm, you know, I come on my own terms. I come by my own volition. I come when I want and I give when I want. You, you know, I'm not a member subscribing to an annual fee and whatever. You know, and so we've got to be careful in Australia talking about membership because you know, Aussies get a little bit indignant about that. Aussies like to be independent. They're self-sufficient. I'll come on my own terms. I'll, you know, and, and, and that causes a lot of uh, heartache, really, to be honest. You know what I mean? But I like the idea that we are members, that we are a family, that we're a fellowship, that we're, we're together in this. You know what I mean? I like that spirit. So, but it says this in Proverbs 29, 18, where there's no revelation, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. Nothing worse than lack of vision. But you know what, you know what I'm thinking? When I see the youth getting saved, coming to these, these connect groups, giving to God, coming to, to, to church, although we don't, half our youth group don't come to church, but last Monday we had 20 uh, young people. Look, I'm thinking from Wild High School, um, Haley, Haley Scott, in this building on on Monday afternoon, 20 young people getting around the Word of God. That means we've got some good young uh, disciples 
and, and, and they get the Bible open. And these young people, unchurched, they come to this group. Haley started this up. Haley started this up. She went into Wild High School and said, this is it. We're going to do this group. If you want to know about this, if you want to know about purpose, direction, and destiny of your life, come. And they get around that Bible and they ask questions and they, and they unpack it from the Word of God. You, you were knit together in your mother's womb. There's, you're born for a destiny, for a purpose. Wow, man, am I? I'm not an accident because I heard my dad, you know, went out one night. And anyway, you know, and no, no, you're born on purpose. And, and don't you love that? That's fantastic. I mean, and so I'm seeing this youth step up into the reality of what church is. But what is church? Church has a purpose. It has a mission. And so I wanted to speak about that. um, One, I think it's uh, Isaiah 26 verse 3. It says, you will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast. And I've got in brackets here, who keep their purpose firm. Why should young people commit to the church? Why should young people commit to the great task called church? We've got to explain that, guys. We, we've got to explain that over and over again. Why, why do they want this huge commitment of serving and giving and coming to church? Why? We've got to unpack that very quickly. Otherwise, people lose traction. People lose their connection into the church. It says here again, you will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast, who keep their purpose firm. If we keep our purpose firm in God, in, the, in what church is and the purpose of the church, man, you just get a solidarity of thought in mind and heart and spirit. You get this solidarity and your purpose fall. Is that right? Even long-term Christians are thinking like this, uh, Isaiah 49, verse 4. But I said, I have labored to no purpose. I have spent my strength in vain and for nothing. Yet what is due me is in the Lord's hand, and my reward is with God. Ultimately, you can say that. So some long-term Christians say, man, I've been to church. I've gone to church. I've met these people in shopping centers. Oh, look, I went to church 10 years. And they're virtually saying to me now, look, I have no... I don't find any value in it any longer. It did nothing for me. Look, I'm telling you, if you got with the spiritual value of the church, if you understood the value of your membership, of your commitment to that church, you would have understood the profound input of your life to that church. When you don't connect to the vision of the church, when you don't connect to the purpose of the church... Of course you end up saying, well, I didn't get anything out of it. But you do when you're connected to great vision that reaches out, vision builders. Isn't that right? You must be so proud that this church supports great vision. Man, that's where my tithe and offerings is going. That's where my vision builders commitment is going. Look at this great stuff we're, going, we're doing. So we need a clear purpose. It's quite clear. Ezra 10.4, it's like when Ezra told the people exactly what God expected them to do and the people responded and the people responded. See, people want meaning. People want purpose. People want direction. Is that right? These young people, Marty, from Wyoming High School, these young people, they want meaning. They want direction. They want purpose. And when you can say to them, guess what, young folk? God's building a church. In fact, Christ said he would build his church, which is built on the purpose that he said he wants to. Wants to. It, so it's not our purpose, it's his purpose. We just got to awaken and be 
awakened to realize the purpose of the church. We don't have to find the purpose. We have to realize it. It's, we don't have to make it up, I mean. We don't have to make the purpose up. We just have to discover the purpose of the church. And Ezra says in 10.4, Rise up, this matter is in your hands. We'll support you. So take courage and do it. Well, the Living Bible says, Tell us how to proceed in setting things straight. I can see the young people saying this, uh, to, saying to our, you know, our youth leaders, Tell us how to proceed in setting things straight and we will fully cooperate. Don't you, do you see young people doing that? Do you see some people doing that? Tell us what we need to do. If, if this will fix society, if this will fix my broken family, my mum uh, my, my, my and dad's broken marriage, if this will fix my brother or sister, if this will fix my school friend who's on drugs, if this will fix my life, look at this. Tell us how to proceed in setting things straight and we will fully cooperate. The Apostle Paul was clear in his purpose. He said in Philippians 3.13, Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal. What's the goal? Build the church. Loose the gospel. You know, get the ministry out there. To which, press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Man, I'm seeing young people, this young man that came, Jeremy Nelson, this fresh, anointed, inspired, Holy Ghost, firebrand. I'm seeing in him a new day for the church. It's arising, guys. The new church is arising, spirit-filled, ablaze with purpose and vision and great destiny to release the plans and purposes of God, to bring justice. And, and young people are saying, just tell us what to do and we will do it. Just, just tell us what to do. And they're stepping up and doing it. That's the new breed I'm looking. They're looking back. They're looking back. They're looking back on Christ. I love, I love this, Julie. They're looking back on Christ's earthly ministry. They're looking back what he did in the physical. And they're saying, well, if he did that, and we're his spiritual body here on, on this planet, well, why can't we do that? If he's shown us how he's done that in the physical, why can't we do that as the spiritual church? And that, they're taking that literally and seeing miracles. And they're doing what Jesus did. I love that. They're also doing this. They're looking at the images and the names of the church. And the New Testament offers many analogies of the church. A body, a bride, a family. They're finding a family here. They've had no family. Their family's been decimated. Mum and dad broken up. And they're living with one or the other. And maybe even with their, you know, their, their, their uncle. Or, but they're finding family in the church. They're finding fellowship in the church. They're finding that the church is an army. Together, we can make a difference. We can march out God's plans into a given region. And they're loving this. They're going, man, I, I think I can do this. So family, a flock, a community, an army. And each of those names has a profound implication, doesn't not? They're also looking at the examples of the New Testament church. And they're asking, well, what did the New Testament church do? And if you go back, you can see what the New Testament church did. They shook the known world. They turned it upside down. They were able to address the heavens and loose 
angelic hosts and loose the power of God's Spirit into a given region. And whole regions were, were, were absolutely baptized in the power of God. That's what we want for Wyong and Tugra. That's what we want for the Central Coast. We want the heavens to be open. We want the church to address the heavens like we did this morning. And we want the power of God's Spirit released across all this place called the Central Coast. Is that right? They're looking back at the commands of Christ and they're asking, what did Jesus tell us to do? I love this. Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said, I will build my church. He obviously has a specific purpose for his church, does he not? He obviously has. What is it, Jesus? Well, he told us. You can see it in the Word of God. And there's two great scriptures that tell us about this. So understand this. It's not our church. It's his church. He's the author of the purpose of the church. He said he would build the church. What are you trying to build here, Lord? Okay. You know, the programs will change, but the purpose will never change. And the purpose is these purposes that I'll... I'll give to you right now. Two great scriptures that can clarify the two major statements by Jesus summarizes it all. The great commandment and the great commission. The great commandment, Matthew 22, 37. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Matthew 28, verse 19, the great commission is this. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I even feel he's here right now with us now. He's here with us now. The great commandment was given to Jesus in response to the question. One day someone came up to Jesus. Jesus was asked to identify what was the most important command. He responded by saying, here is the whole entire Old Testament. Here it is in a nutshell. This is the Strong's Concordance version, but in a nutshell, this is it. This is it. Love God. Love God. Love your neighbor. All the law and the prophets and everything hangs off that. Love God. Worship God. Love God. And love your neighbor. Love the hairdresser who's going at your skull with the nails and who's going through a divorce. And just love her. Just love her. Just love her. Just love her. Just love that knocking neighbor. Just love that person at work that was always on your back. Just love them. Just love them. Everything, the whole Testament, the whole shebang hangs off that. Love. Profound. Jesus gave the great commission to them and assigned them also three more tasks. Go and make disciples, baptizing them and teach them to obey everything he taught. So the definition of the church, let's look at five purposes of the church within the great commandment and the great commission. Let's look at five purposes again within the great commission and the great commandment because that's it. That's basically it. That's basically it. Purpose number one, love the Lord God with all your heart. Boom, there it is. Worship God. Thank you, Julie. Thank you, team. Thank you. It's not a duty. It's not a chore. We love to do it. C3, love to worship God. Is that right? The Bible says, worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. Matthew 4.10. Celebrate Him. Man, there's a, there's, you know, there's, we should be coming in and celebrating. 
Just like when you go to a party and celebrate, when we go to Libby's place and see all that great food, and we go, wow, we love the Scott family. We love Libby's talent. And man, we're going to celebrate tonight. Crack the ginger beer open and eating all that. You know, there's celebration. And there's celebration in this house of our King, of our Lord. We love to worship Him. And this morning, despite what we see, despite what's happening out there, despite what's happening in the, in the natural, we will worship the King. That's our ultimate desire. That's our ultimate quest of my life is to worship Him. Like Paul and Silas in a dungy damp cell, strung up with chains, and they're praising and praising Him. Bang! And they're, wow, this is great. Because when you keep your eyes on Jesus, man, it makes it all worthwhile. Stuff happens. God breaks out. Psalm 34, verse 3, glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Together, let's worship him. And we don't, we don't worship God out of a sense of duty. Two, purpose. These are five purposes of the church. Number two. Love your neighbor as yourself. The word we use to describe uh, in, this, in this term is ministry. Love your neighbor is about ministry. Ministering. Ministering to people wherever we go. Ministering to them because they have needs. Spiritually, physically, emotionally, whatever. People have needs. And everywhere we go, we minister. We become ministers. In fact, in fact... The Bible says the church should be a place where the saints are equipped. Ephesians 4.12. The church is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Do you see that? Three. Three. Go and make disciples. This purpose we call evangelism, I guess. The church exists to communicate God's word like Haley Scott does. She's doing what the purpose of the church is. She's spreading the gospel. She's spreading the word. Daniel's spreading the word. Others here witnessing out there, here right now. I'm spreading the word. We're evangelizing. We're ambassadors for Christ. Our mission is to evangelize the world. The word go in the Great Commission is in the Greek. As you are going, tell everyone the good news wherever you go. You know what I'm saying? We, the whole world of Christ. Yeah. We, we, you know, there's so much to tell. I mean, and then sometimes we don't have to tell. We just have to just suck it up and just, as Francis Sissy said, preach the gospel and is, if necessary, use words. You know, sitting there getting attacked with that hairdresser. I didn't feel I had an, uh, an opportunity sort of, because she kept busy talking and she was quite open to unpack her trials and stuff but I just didn't feel to tell her about God but in the end she knew she found out we were ministers of the gospel and maybe after that she would have thought well thank goodness they didn't try and tell me or something like that I don't know but just the, the willingness to hear you don't understand that when people are willing to hear you and hear their stuff oh man your, your stuff's stuck in that rental property gee whiz and you know how are you going to get that out well you care well, yeah, that, that's right, man. That's what I'm knocking about. Yeah, you know, just sympathizing with them is, is, is sometimes witnessing to them. Isn't it amazing that the great commandment, great commission, 
is mentioned four times, one in each gospel and once in the book of Acts in 1.8 and you receive power to be witnesses to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Five, they say five times God has given us that commission and you will be, with the Holy Spirit, you will be a witness in the schoolyard, in the workplace, down the shops. Four. Number four, baptizing them. In the Greek text of the Greek commission, there are three present participle verbs, ah, meaning doing stuff, going, baptizing, and teaching. And, I, and, and the question's asked here, why is baptism so important? Because it symbolizes one of the purposes of the church, fellowship identified with the body of Christ. As Christians, we are called to belong and not just to believe. So we're not talking about lone rangers, weird strangers. We're talking about a connection of a people that have been adopted by Christ and Jules. Tonight, I think I'm getting on the run here. I'm thinking we need to explain maybe why people feel dis disconnected from the church and why they can't connect to the church, why they can't, can't connect to vision, why they can't give to the church, why they don't feel the, the mutual love of the house. Why is that? And I, well, in the minute, just, yeah. Yeah, tonight you're going to share. Fantastic, because I think right there, that's the whole plight. Overcoming the orphan spirit. I think it's so true. Because that's why people are not connecting as a family, as, as the church, as an army, as the, this fellowship, this community. People feel still they're on the outer. And when you feel included and connected, you get together, you pray for each other, you give together, you love together, you walk together, you help each other. And I think truly Australians still have that self-sufficiency thing happening where they don't even feel connected and adopted by Father God. I honestly believe that. You're going to unpack that tonight. Ephesians 2.19 says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. We're not aliens. We're not strangers. We're being adopted by Christ. We're part of the body of Christ. We've got fellowship, supernatural fellowship. People need to understand that when they join a church... They are in the family. Five, the last purpose, teaching them to obey. Discipleship. The church exists to edify, to educate God's people. Discipleship is a powerful thing if we can get people to do it. Discipleship is teaching people how to be Christ-like in their thoughts, feelings, their actions. The process begins, of course, when you're born again and it continues on until you die. The scripture says in Colossians 1.28, we proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect or mature in Christ. To this end, I labor, struggling with all this energy, which so powerfully works in me to, to, I see young, I see again, a lot of great people doing that. I see Haley doing that. I see Daniel doing that with the people you've discipled. James, you're doing it. I know, and I'm seeing others doing it. You're, you're using this energy of life to perfect Christ in people. And you know what? At the end of the day, when you stand before God, before Christ, you're going to get blessed for that because that's the eternal stuff. Absolutely. 
reach and teach, Ephesians 4.12, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. God's purpose for the church is to edify, to encourage, to exalt, to equip and evangelize. Summarized like this, it goes like this. Number one, magnify. We celebrate God's presence in worship. Two, mission. We communicate God's word through evangelism. Three, membership. We incorporate God's people into our fellowship, the army, the family, the fellowship. Four, maturity. We educate God's people through discipleship. And five, ministry. We demonstrate God's love through service. That's the great commandment and that's the great commission wrapped up, bang, in five purposes of God. Isn't that great? Right there. There it is. That's the purpose of the church. And I'm not going to go any further because I'm going to let Julie unpack that because it's all about understanding that when we're adopted, unto God, when we're adopted into God's family, when we're born again into God's family, that this divine purpose becomes evident and this divine purpose becomes the very thing that we must connect to. Let's all stand. God bless you. Father, we stand in these great days of the future church stepping up, being saved, 2 Corinthians 5.14 says, For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced. I'm convinced, Lord God, that I'm born for a reason. I'm born for the purpose of your church. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in a future. I thank you, God. Let's just pray for a little bit here. I thank you, God, that there's so many young people seeing the future and the hope of their life in the church. I thank you, God, that they have a place to come to, a building to come to, that they have preachers to come to and be, and be inspired, to be equipped, to be edified. Lord, I thank you, God, that your spirit is upon them, that your anointing is growing upon them, Lord, to be your church in these great last days. Thank you, God, for people like Jeremy Nelson, Lord, firebrands, raising up a whole new generation unto Christ that will be the future glorious church. Thank you, God, that we have our own Jeremy Nelsons arising in our own church, including young women, young men, so, Father, we thank you that the purpose of this church and the foundation of this church is sound. The great commandment, love God, worship God, celebrate God, love your neighbor, love them, care for them, hear them. Release God's love through you. Bless your friends, your neighbors and the great commission to go, to go and to baptize and to teach, to disciple. Father, in this house right now, we declare that these purposes, that these purposes that were set 
by your, by your very voice, Lord God, hold up in this church. And we declare this morning that this church is built on a firm foundation of the great commandment, the great commission. And we believe this morning, Lord God, that you are raising this church up.